0: Welcome to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor David Eldridge. My quick little small group plug is to join one. Why do we do them? Because it's the best way to grow. Uh, We grow in the context of relationship with God and with other people. All of us have friends. But a lot of times in those relationships where it's not intentional, we, we do other things, we talk about other things. Very few of us have friendships that are uh, centered around helping one another grow in our relationship with Jesus. We're intentionally trying to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Small group creates a context. They may not be your friends that you go on vacation with, but they'll be the friends that help you walk through life. So I would encourage you to do uh, one of those three things that Matt said, go next door, go to the deck, take a shot of that. Uh, paper, whatever you need to do, connect to a small group, introverts, this is nightmare for you, I get it, I'm one as well, Um, two groups, just talk to two people, that's it, and you can have a donut, that'll be your prize, two people, you can get a donut on your way out, Uh, if you need help navigating 28's a lot, reach out to Matt, Uh, he's familiar with all the small group leaders and he can help you figure out one that would be a good fit for you, and, uh, and, and try them. You know, we, we know that it may take a little bit to kind of figure out the, the best one for you. But again, check with Matt and he'll help you walk through that process. All right. Ephesians 1. Last week, we looked at the beginning of Ephesians 1. It said, we said it was like a hymn, a worship song that Paul uses to start this letter. Uh, Verse 3, praise the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. As we looked at those big concepts that run all the way through Ephesians, one of them, heavenly realms. Remember, we said that's the spiritual world. As Christians, we're amphibians. We live in in this visible, physical world, and we live in the invisible, spiritual world. Those two worlds interact. This world that we live and move and walk on in the world where God and Satan and angels and demons live and operate. There's interaction there. There's intersection there. And what we said is we want what's going on in the spiritual world to inform the way we live here in this, phys- in this uh, visible, physical world. Uh, in Christ, that's a big, big idea. We said, think of Christ as a set. Think of Jesus as a set, like in elementary school. And what's true of the set It's true of every member of the set. To be in Christ, to be incorporated into Jesus, it's to abide in him, to follow him. It's another description of what it means to be a Christian. Very important as we go through Ephesians. And then Paul lists six spiritual blessings. Three of those we said you could put under the heading of election. The doctrine that God has chosen a people for himself. And that's he's chosen us to be holy and blameless. He's predestined us to be adopted into his family. He's chosen us for the praise of his glory. And there are three others that he lists that we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins, that the father has revealed to us the mystery of his will, which is that he's uniting all things together in or under Jesus and that we've been uh, marked. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's a sign of possession and ownership that the Holy Spirit lives within us as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. So all of those blessings are yours and are mine if we're in Christ. That's, that's it. That's the only requirement. Being in Christ, abiding in Him, then all of those things are true for us whether we feel like it or not, regardless of the circumstances of our day in and day out. So now Paul shifts. He's pray. He has this, opens with this, this worship, this praise to the Lord, and now he prays. For the church, And so today we're going to look at his prayer for the church. Verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. We'll pause there and pick up at that point next week. So Paul prays this prayer. He says, for this reason, what is the reason? Because Gentiles have been included in Christ. That's verse 13. Because God has extended salvation. To the Gentiles, Paul, his calling in our language, his deal is to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And he sees that the gospel's bearing fruit. And in a lot of these places, Paul's never been. He said, I've heard of your love and I've heard of your faith. And I think he's thrilled that the gospel is spreading beyond his personal work, beyond his personal investment. That other churches are expanding and other Christians are sharing uh, with people that Paul has never met. So he says, for this reason, I've heard of your faith, I've heard of your love for one another, and so I never stop praying for you, and I never stop giving thanks for you. I'm remembering you in my prayers, and here are the things that I'm praying. is a headline, and then three bullet points under the headline. The headline, I'm praying that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and so that you would know him better. Your Bible may say the spirit with a capital S, which that's obviously is true as well, The Holy Spirit is the one who guides us into all truth. So anything we know about God, we know because the Holy Spirit has led us into that truth. I think a spirit's a better understanding. Paul's talking about us and the posture of our hearts. He's saying, I want you to have the kind of heart that's open to wisdom and to revelation. Wisdom is knowledge applied, knowledge lived out. Revelation is new information or new data. So all wisdom used to be revelation. It was all new at some point. And all revelation, we hope, becomes wisdom. We don't just want to know things. We want to live the things that we know. And so Paul is saying, I want, I want you to have a spirit of wisdom. Someone who, who lives out the truth that you know. In Revelation, someone who's open to the new truth that the Lord wants to reveal to you, to, to disclose to you about himself. Why? What's the point? So you can have a big three-ring notebook on your shelf, so you can have a, a lot of notes in your phone about who God is? No, because I want you to know him better. Relational knowledge. Remember in the Bible, no is not academic and intellectual. It's experiential and relational. That's the point. We'll circle back to that. So that's the headline. Spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we would know him better. And then these three bullet points, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. That's another way of saying, I pray that you'd have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Two ways of saying the same thing. Here are the three things that Paul says he wants us to know. He wants us to be enlightened about. That we would know the hope of our calling That we would know the the glorious riches of God's inheritance in his holy people. And that we would know the incomparably great power that's available to us who believe. So real quick, those three bullet points. That you would know the hope of your calling. we talked about hope a few weeks ago. Confident expectation of a better future. So what is this better future that God has called us into? That word calling, that's one of those election words. Like chosen, appointed, predestined. So we can look back those those blessings that are up there on the screen, those six blessings that Paul lists, so important through the whole book of Ephesians. They're not always mentioned explicitly, but they're always in the background. So when Paul says, I want you to know the hope to which you've been called, what he's saying is, I want you to know what God's doing. I want you to know what God's up to. I want you to know his plans. I want you to know his purposes. These are things that he determined before he even created the world. This is where he, ar- he already knew the end from the beginning. He chose you to be holy. He chose you to be blameless. He predestined you to be adopted into his family as sons and daughters. And he did all of this for his glory. That's what God is doing. That's what he's about. If you ever wonder, where is all of this headed? That's where it's headed. God has, is forming a people for himself. People who are set apart, that is holy. People who are without stain or spot. Or wrinkle, that is, without blemish. People who are his children, adopted into his family. And all of that for his glory, not for our own. That's what he's doing. And Paul says, I want you to know that. I want you to have a confident expectation that God is actively working to bring about that plan and that purpose. I want you to know that. I want you to know the glorious riches God has in his inheritance. That is Interesting. Because when we hear the word inheritance, we tend to think of what we inherit as co-heirs with Jesus. And that's normally how the word is used. Normally when you see inheritance, particularly in the New Testament, it's talking about what we get. That's not how Paul uses it here. He's talking about what God gets. And what God gets is us, which doesn't seem like a great deal for him. But that's what he gets. The, he, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy Deuteronomy 32, God says, my portion is my people. Several times in Exodus and Deuteronomy, we read this phrase, treasured possession. When God is talking about Israel, they're my treasured possession out of all the nations on the earth. I picked Israel and Israel's mine. With capital C church, that promise is applied to us. That statement is out of everything that God could have had. He picked us. We're his inheritance. Psalm 2, Father talking to the Son. Ask of me and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. That's us. It's amazing to think about. Paul says, I want you to know that. I want you to know that you, us, corporately, we're God's glorious inheritance. When we get to Ephesians 5, we'll see this picture of of the church as the bride of Christ presented to Jesus by the Father. Without stain and spot and wrinkle, holy and blameless. And we look at ourselves and think, "Not yet." You, me, we—God's glorious inheritance. Why does Paul want us to know that? Some of you grew up in families where there was pressure. Hey, that's not how—that's not how we do things here. That's not how a Brumball does things, and it's pressure. I think what what Paul is saying is I want you to know that you're God's glorious inheritance. Not so you get crushed under the weight of that expectation, but to call you up to who you really are. As a way of not smashing you down, pressing you down, but as a way of lifting you up. This is who you are. This is who you are. You're God's glorious inheritance. You're what he's going to get. You're what he's working for. Not in an, in an arrogant way like you're... We know that. We're, no, we're not that great. Even on our best day. Shot through with fear and doubt and frustration and apathy and pride. All of those things. But God, He's called us. And He's chosen us. And He's appointed us. And He's adopted us. And He said, you're, you're what I get. I get y'all and I'm thrilled. What would it look like for us to live accordingly? And that's how Paul ends. I want you to know the power that's available to you. We'll talk about this more next week. The power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's the Holy Spirit. He lives within us. Remember, he's that deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. The God of all the universe has taken up residence within us. So all the resources of of heaven are available to us. The Holy Spirit enables us to live up to that calling. The Holy Spirit's the one who says, Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll empower you to be holy and blameless. You don't have to do that on your own. I'll empower you to live as God's sons and daughters. You don't have to figure out how to do that by yourself. I'll make sure that God gets glory through your life. This is who you are. You're God's glorious inheritance. And I'll be conforming you more into the image of his son. That's what I'm doing day in and day out. I'm working on the identity, this glorious inheritance. I'm working on God's, the father's plans and purposes to make a people for himself. I'm doing both of those things and I'm doing it in you and I'm doing it through you. The resources of heaven are available to us. It's an incredible prayer. The heart of the prayer. And this is how I want us to close. The heart of the prayer. Super simple. Knowing God better. Sunday school, 101. First thing you learned. First day you showed up. God wants a personal relationship with you. And he wants that relationship to grow and to deepen over time. That's the heart of that prayer. That's what holds holds the headline and the three bullet points together. What Paul wants for his churches, these churches that he's started and these churches that he doesn't even know. He doesn't even know the people. But he's saying, this is what I want for you. I want you to be growing in your relationship with God. That seems so trite to us. But are you? Am I? Don't think about yesterday. That's too short of a time frame. What about six months ago? Do you know God better now than you did then? What about August of last year? you know God better now than you did then? Some of you, the answer is absolutely I do. Don't be falsely modest about that. Yeah, I do. For a lot of us, the answer is mm, probably not. Remember, knowing biblically, it's not intellectual academic knowledge. It's experiential and relational, just like every other relationship you have. They're all great parallels. We can know about somebody and not know them. I can know where you work. I can know what you do. I can know your favorite food and restaurant. I can know what you like to do on the weekend. That doesn't mean I know you. I just know some things about you. And the same thing's true of the Lord. We can know things about him. Jesus, born of a Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead and buried. On the third day he rose uh, again. He's seated at the right hand of the Father and he'll come again to judge the living and the dead. True, those things are good to know about him. But you can know those things and I know him. What Paul is saying is I want you to be growing in relationship with him. That idea of wisdom and revelation. So there is a knowing about. There's some things that we need to know about God. There's truths and the Holy Spirit will guide us into those truths. But then we want to take the next step of saying, well, what does this actually look like incorporated or assimilated into my life? What am I doing with this truth? I listen to this podcast and this guy said this. I finished his Bible study. Great. L- Learn some things. But what are we doing with what we're learning? Are we getting to know him better? Or are we just getting to know more about him? We can put more on the fact sheet that's headed God. Or am I actually getting to know him more as a person? There's no way to rush that. It just takes time and investment like every other relationship you have. I think it's easy for us to think knowing about is that's all there is. We're tempted to stop there and we need to go beyond. Revelation is great. We want to learn new things. But all that needs to be translated into life, wisdom, walking out these things that the Lord is showing us about himself. It may be better instead of you trying to think about yourself and say, I wonder if I I know God better now than I did last year. Ask the people who live with you and they'll tell you. They'll have a better idea than you will because if you know him better, that will impact the way that you interact with them. It'll change your behavior. You can't know a holy God in a better way and in a deeper way and it not impact the way you live. It's not enough to say, well, God is patient. Okay, I know that about him. Well, he wants to conform us into his image. So what does it look like for me to bear with people, especially people who are stupid over time? Like, what does that look like? That's what it means. That's what he's wanting from us. It's not enough just to know the fact. God is love and love is patient, so God is patient. Great. Have you incorporated that into your life? Have I incorporated that into my life? Would you say you're growing with him? You know him better than you used to. Do do you want to? We're adults, most of us do what we want we got to pay taxes and cut the grass. But other than that, most of it, we do what we want. That's part of the privilege and joy of being an adult. Nobody gets to tell us what to do, most of the time. So, and hear this in the spirit in which it's intended. If you're not, if you don't know God better than you did last year, it's probably because you don't want to. Because if you wanted to, you would. Because He's available. He doesn't keep office hours. You can approach Him at any point. He's always saying, come on. He's all, yeah, the, the, the old picture in the Old Testament of one guy, one day a year, entering into God's presence, the crucifixion, resurrection, that did away with all that. The temple, the curtain in the temple was torn. We, had, we can boldly approach the throne of grace. Don't, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just asking. You want to know him more. I think of that Psalm 42.1 as a deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you. Never have I said that. Never have I thought, man, as much as I need something to drink yesterday when it's a thousand degrees. Never have I said, that's how much I need the Lord. That's how much I want to know him. So what we can do is a couple of things. One, we can ask God to increase our hunger and our thirst. He'll do that. That's a great prayer. God, increase my desire. Help me want to want you more. Help me want to want to know you better. I'm pretty good as I am. I get distracted and there's so many other things going on. I feel like we're okay. Think about the Israelites in Exodus where God's on the mountain and there's thunder and there's smoke. and, And they say to Moses, hey, let's make a deal. How about this? Instead of us going up there, why don't you go up there, tell us what he said. And then we'll do it. That's where a lot of us want to live. I'm not sure that I... Just, I'll read the book. I'll let somebody else tell me. This idea of intimate personal relationship, that can be scary at times with a holy God. Do you want to know Him more? Then ask. God, increase my desire. But if the only times we approach Him or seek Him is when we feel like it, then our relationship's always going to be fits and starts because as with all desires, our desire for the Lord ebbs and flows. So you want to ask for God to increase your hunger and then you want to act hungry even when you're not. We want to do both of those things. Whatever those spiritual practices are for you that help put you in the presence of God and help you grow. For me, one of the things I've learned over the past few years, I can really only do about one thing at a time. And it takes about a, it takes me a while. So if I'm looking at, maybe you can look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. That's a description of love. So when you think about being conformed into the image of Jesus, that's this nebulous picture but when you look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, it puts some skin on it. Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy. Does not boast. Is not proud or rude or self-seeking. Is not easily angered. Doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Doesn't, rejoice, doesn't delight in evil. Rejoices with the truth. Always protects. Always per- perseveres. Always hopes. Always trusts. Never fails. Pick one of those words. to get To, to, to grow. To know God better is to grow in one of those areas because that's who he is. Remember, it's not just here. It's not just being able to quote a verse. Am I living more patiently and less enviously? I can't do all those things at once. For me, again, it's one, and it takes me several months, more than several months, six to 12 months. You might want to find another church. Six to 12 months <laughs> to, to get where I'm, where I'm like, all right, this is starting to take root in my life. It's actually beginning to impact the relationships that I have with other people. That is getting to know the Lord better. It's not, just knowing, know, it's not just knowing more stuff about Him, it's actually becoming more like Him. That means I'm getting to know Him better because He's impacting me. Does that, you're, you're making the connection. Or, or look at Galatians 5 22 and 23, that list of fruit that the Holy Spirit produces within us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Pick one. Don't pick nine. Pick one and in for the next six, nine, 12 months. Make it a point of prayer. Every time you pray, God, would you you sow this fruit into me? And, and this is super important, it's easy to be patient when you're by yourself praying. Nobody's pulling on you. It's easy to be joyful when you're by yourself in worship. Nothing's going wrong. The, the challenge for us is to live those things out in relationship with one another in the circumstances in which we find ourselves. That's why abiding is so important. I'm running off a tangent. We'll get back to this prayer. Headline. Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So we would know you better. It's our deepest desire for every one of you. That's what I want for you as your pastor. More than anything else. More than I want you to go on a mission trip. More than I want you to join a small group. More than I want you to find out your calling. I want you to know Jesus better. I want you to know the hope to which he's called you. I want you to know the great delight He takes in you as His inheritance. I want you to know the power that He's made available to you to live up to who you are, who He says you are, and to live out the things that He has created in advance for you to do. I want you constantly to say, Oh, I'm learning that God's teaching me these things about Him, and it doesn't just stay in my head or go on my shelf. It's not just something I write down in my journal. It's actually impacting the way that I'm relating to my spouse, to my kids, to my boss, to my employees, to my city. Let's pray. Bo, you can come on back. This is what I want you to do. I want you to, those two questions. Are you growing? Do you know him better? Just yes or no. Do you know him better? If the answer is yes, awesome. Keep it up. If the answer is no, don't feel guilty. Go to the next question. No, I don't know him better. So do you want to? And if you don't want to, well, then we probably need to have a conversation. Why don't you want to know him better? So maybe what you need to do is say, God, just be honest. God, I don't really want to know you better. I'd like to want to know you better. So maybe if you could stir that desire in me. And you can ask him to do that. And he's so gracious, he will. Or God, I do want to know you better. Would you breathe on that desire? Show me what that looks like. Lived out on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday of my life. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you give each one of us, kids, students, adults, people in this room, people online, would you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we would know the Father better? Would you enlighten the eyes of our hearts so that we would know the hope to which we've been called. We would know the plans and purposes that God has established for his people. I pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts and enlighten us, that we would know the glorious riches of your inheritance in your holy people, in us. And I pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts that we would know the incomparably great power that dwells within us in the person of your spirit. So help us. God, I pray, I don't know if we'll ever be like the deer panting for water, but God, I do pray that we would hunger and thirst for you more than we currently do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week.